My name is Adeline Warren and you're listening to Girl Talk. I like to say that I'm the big sister of the internet. You can watch me fuck up all you want, but hey, maybe we can learn something from it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, bitch. So y'all said you like the unscripted podcast. So I I kind of want to try something new. So I've been reading a bit more and I've been learning a lot with these self-help books. These are my personal favorite books to read. I like the self-help and business books. And I... And the first one to say out of anyone that self-help books and business books are fucking boring. And <laughs> there's a couple of things that like have helped me been able to focus on reading because, you know, when you read your book and you're like, la, 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 la. <laughs> bombastic side eye. Like I always think of like random shit when I'm reading a book and they get sidetracked. And I'm like, mm, I'm kind of hungry. And then I go and then I have to pee and I have to put the book down and like. And it basically never end up finishing my books. So I thought we could do a podcast episode just going over my favorite um, self-help books and business books. And I could just tell you guys about my favorite takeaways and my favorite quotes. Um, and if you love it, you could buy the book. Um, and if you don't love it, then fuck the book. Who cares about the book? Um, but two of my favorite books recently have been The 4-Hour Workweek and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I have a lot of good, a, a lot of other good book recommendations like I really you know I always post on my spam account whatever books I'm reading I always post on my spam account it's not Adeline on Instagram but I would say that these are my favorite business ones and I just love talking about it like whenever I meet someone and they're like oh my god you read this book oh my god you read this like I just want to talk about it because it's almost like you know when you watch a tv show and you're like oh my god did you see like Savannah and Francesca like I'm team this person like <laughs> like you just want to talk about it when you read a book or you watch a tv show or whatever it is um so yeah that's what I wanted to do today I don't know what I'm gonna call this series girl talk girl talk let's read about it girl talk what are you reading? Girl talk, I do not know. Girl talk, I don't give a fuck what the title is. Girl talk, let's just talk about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This one was one that I read the most recent. So I really am like so excited to talk about. It's called The 4-Hour Work Week. And it's by Timothy Ferris. I really love this book. And I feel like I've seen it on the shelves for so many years. And I've been meaning to read it. But it's just like the thickness that really gets me. I'm like, there's literally no way I'm reading 400 pages. Like I've literally, I don't think my whole life I've read like a 400 page book. Like I always either get distracted or I don't give a fuck. What has really helped me, and this is like a kind of tip that I would give when you're reading boring books is 
I will write in them. And I know my mom is cringing because my mom would hate me when I would write in my books, but it really genuinely helps. And like, hey, I spent fucking like 33 Canadian fucking dollars on this US $24. And am I going to resell it? Probably not. Also, I just saw on Anna Paul's TikTok that there's people who sell their books that they've written in. I don't know what it's called, but I would buy that because I feel like when you're reading a book, what is it called? I'm going to look it up. Sorry. So I wanted to buy a pre-annotated book because I saw that people... It's called a pre-annotated book. Annotated book. So I was like, oh my God. Uh, I think this is such a good gift idea, by the way. If you have know someone that loves books for Christmas, go on Etsy and look up people who annotate books. So anyway... People who annotate books where they basically will highlight things or write little notes on the side or, you know, put the key, what they think is the most important. And, oh, and you can. Back of the book. Wait, what's it called? One said it's called a legend. I think it's called a key. Anyways, where what each color means. So pink is cute romance, unexpected, shocked, made me laugh, need to remember. So there's like a key and they highlight it with all the different colors. Sad slash cried. Um, and it's like you're reading with someone it's like it's not like you're reading alone it's like you're reading with someone because you see oh I cried during this part oh this is such a cute romantic part this is I don't know it's like so I thought that that was kind of fun she reads her fiction books but I thought it was kind of fun to write in my business books so that's what I did and I honestly feel like it has made reading boring books so much better because I used to never be able to read self-help books. You know, when you like you buy five books and you literally don't read any of them, you open like half of a book. Um, that was me. <laughs> so I found that reading or doing Audible and listening to books while I drive has been helping. But then I was like, mm, I get kind of bored and tired on the road. And I'm like, I just want to listen to music and blah, 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 whatever. So I kind of took a break from listening to audiobooks, And then I started picking up my old books that I picked up or I already bought and I started writing in them and I'll literally just highlight things that I think are important um and if there's anything that I want to remember I'll write down like they said the NR which means the new rich and I will doodle in them and I think there's like a little doodle I'll read these books like sometimes randomly throughout my day or I'll just read it when I'm just hanging out with blue I think I have a, a drawing of blue in one of these where is it it's near the end I think <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, quotes said uh what did you dream of being when you were a kid and then I literally drew a picture of me in blue at the Eiffel Tower and I literally manifested that since I was a kid and I forgot that I wanted to do that when I was a kid and I would like draw butterflies and fun things and just underline the key important things and I feel it's almost like you know when you're in class and you're writing notes it's almost like that it's I feel like I'm uh acquiring the information in my brain way better than if I were to just read, 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 bored, and then, you know, forget about the book. I feel like when I write in it, I'm like, okay, I'm already halfway done. It's almost like an accomplishment. And then when I actually finish the book, I'm like, oh my God, I wrote in it all. Like, this is crazy. But I've honestly really learned a lot throughout this book. It's called The 4-Hour Work Week. And hey, does it work for everyone? Like, no, I think it definitely is very specific for entrepreneurs and people who want to start a business and people who want to work for themselves or maybe do social media or maybe do this or maybe it doesn't really apply to everyone. But I really, really, really loved it because sometimes I feel like I work harder as opposed to smarter. And that's what this whole book is about, is about working smarter 
and not harder. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people will not agree with a lot of the things in this book. But I think it's just really eye-opening and I really, you know, do take everything with a grain of salt. So one of the things that he really emphasizes on is you can charter a private plane, enjoy the best wines in the whole world, in between world-class ski runs, live like a king, lounge by an infinity pool, off a private villa, and it all costs less than rent in the U.S., and I was like, that's so bullshit. Like that shit, all that shit adds up and all that shit is expensive. But he really goes into it and talks about like all of the countries that are so beautiful to live in and their their rent prices are way less than the US. And I believe it. Like I remember living in Bali, like Bali rent, it's so beautiful down there, but it's just so cheap down there. And you could really just get a visa. You literally, you land into Bali and you buy a visa when you're there. It's so easy to get a visa in Bali. And there's a bunch of places that he talks about. And the main thing that he talks about is the new rich and getting rid of all of your beliefs about retirement and, you know, getting a house and, and saving up for retirement and then retiring and living your best life. Because let's be so fucking for real right now. Like retirement is so fucked up. I think it literally says most people will never be able to retire and maintain a hot dogs for dinner standard of living. Even one million is chump change in a world where traditional retirement could span 30 years and inflation lowers your purchasing power two to four percent per year. The math doesn't work and the golden years become lower middle class life revisited and it's a bittersweet ending. Like that shit stresses me out because I was always told when I was younger to save up your money, put your money on a retirement savings plan, um, work really hard when you're young and then you're going to be able to retire and you're going to be able to be on vacation and you're going to be able to live your best life when you're older but nowadays it's like we're kind of getting fucked over like that's not the case at all like that's why this book they really try to encourage having many retirements throughout life not working 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 and then retiring all at once when you're older because if you really think about it i used to think about this all the time because you know, I grew up with people telling me like, oh, like I need to work really hard. And like, wouldn't you rather like retire and then live your best life and go on vacation and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, retire when you're 75, when you're old, and you have to replace your hip. Wouldn't you rather, you know, travel when you're young? Wouldn't you rather, you know, go cliff jumping when you're young, go and go karting when you're young, go doing this when you're young, as opposed to saving up all your money for retirement. So in the book, it really says the NR, the new rich, it claims to distribute many retirements throughout life instead of hoarding the recovery and enjoyment of the fool's gold retirement. Personally, I now aim for one month of overseas relocation or high intensity learning, which is like he really likes to learn something new in a different country. So like tango, fighting, whatever for every two months of work projects and we're also in a time where a lot of at least my work and like marketing and social media and blah 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 a lot of it could just be done virtually we don't we're not in a day and age where like you have to go into the office and i mean there are a lot of jobs that are still like that but we're in a day and age where you can go on zoom and do the exact same thing than if you were to go in the office and you know be at home and work and whatever. It also focuses on less is not laziness. I used to always think that I have to work, 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 and then I deserve happiness and I deserve, I'm productive if I work, 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 but focus on being productive instead of being busy. That's where I got really mixed up because I would 
you know, schedule work on Monday and then after I'm going to hang out with my friends and then I'll go do an event and then I would uh, do my work and then do a brand deal and then do the, you know, photo shoot for this and then and then like I would just do a lot of shit that was just like not helping my career really benefiting me at all. Like, for example, going to like makeup events a lot of the times it's just like it doesn't benefit me at all like hey it's really cool to like you know meet and network with people and it's really cool to um get free makeup but you don't need to do that every week like there's times where i would like be filling up my schedule and filling up my schedule and i'm like i don't need to be doing this shit every week like i don't need to be going to makeup events i don't need to be going out partying every week i don't need to be doing this i don't need to be doing this i i would I swore my life that I was like the most productive person in the world, but I wasn't being productive. I was just being busy and I would just fill my schedule with like shit and shit and shit and shit and shit. Like, oh my God, like I used to like, for example, I would always book a massage at this one spot that's like an hour away from my house just because my friend was there and we could get massages done together and it would take almost an hour to get there and I would do an hour massage and then I would do an hour to get back and I was like what in the world is wrong with me like yeah it's like really awesome to see my friend but I see her and then we go into our separate massage rooms and it's like I, I it's it's three hours of my day that I have to base my whole day around and then traffic and everything and I was like what the fuck am I doing and I I found a massage place that's walking distance from my apartment and that only takes an hour of my day I don't know if that makes sense another thing that it touches on is the universe doesn't conspire against you but it doesn't go out of its way to line up all of your pins either conditions are never perfect and I used to be like I'm going to launch my YouTube channel when it's perfect and I'm going to do my podcast when it's perfect. I'm going to have the perfect brand deal and I'm going to have the perfect, you know, podcast network and I'm going to launch my podcast when it's absolutely perfect. When I have my perfect microphone and I have my perfect camera set up and I have my perfect, you know, talking points and my perfect subjects and my podcast is going to be perfect when I launch it. And then five years later, I literally never launched my podcast. Do you guys remember when I was talking about launching my podcast in like 2015? <laughs> I wish I did because now I feel like, you know, so many people have podcasts and I love listening to podcasts, but it's just like now there's so many options that you can listen to. Um, but I wish I launched it way back in the day because, you know, it would have been nice to, you know, relate to people and talk to people about the things that I was going to through back then and um, really get the hang of things because now I'm in 2023 and I'm just a beginner podcaster and maybe if I started in 2015 maybe I would have been a little bit better and maybe if I would have started in 2015 and my setup was shit and my podcast was shit and maybe everyone thought that my podcast was shit maybe it would have gotten better and better and better and by the time it's 2023 I'm a fucking amazing podcaster I don't know it's things like that like that where I'm like okay once I have the perfect network I'm gonna launch fuck that shit that's something that I wish that I didn't do and I wish that I just posted like who cares just post your thing start your podcast um start your business it's literally never gonna be perfect and the longer you wait the more likely it's gonna suck <laughs> I mean wait I don't want to say that but you know nobody's first video on YouTube is going to be perfect. Like the more that you practice, the more perfect it's going to get. Practice makes perfect in my opinion. That's why I always feel like 
quantity is better than quality because when I'm always thinking, oh, it's like the quality, I need to make sure that it's perfect. You need to make sure that it's amazing and everyone's going to love it. And blah. Nobody, not ever, 100% of people are going to ever love your thing. And if 100% of people love your thing, then something's fucking wrong with you because not everybody's going to like your shit. Like people are going to watch my podcast and there's going to be the Andrew Tate bros that are going to watch my shit and they're going to be like, this is a waste of my time. Like, fuck you, dumb bitch. Like, and then there's people that, you know, are my age and like maybe we can relate and like maybe they're trying to start a business and they actually really want to watch or read this book and they never saw this book until now. And they're like, hmm, maybe I want to read it. I don't know. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Say my name when you go in it. Me and Andre always joke about this. It is the best advice I've ever given to anyone. It is, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. If the potential if the potential damage is moderate or in any way reversible, don't give people the chance to say no. Get good at being a troublemaker and saying sorry when you really screw up. I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Do you guys remember when I talked about that one party that I went to? I'll, I'll tell a little brief story time about it now because I think I talked about it on my TikTok. But I basically went to this event it was a brand event and it was really cool it was in malibu and it was an all-white party and i was so excited about it because it just looked like really fun it was open bar and they had food and it was at nobu i think it was really nice and they told us to arrive at i don't know they told us to arrive at a certain time and i arrive at that time once i get to the event they're like, hey, we're over capacity. You're not getting in. And I was like, excuse me. I didn't ask to be here. Like, I didn't ask, hey, can you invite me? I said, you invited me. Like, you told me to come to your event 
and then now you're not you're uninviting me like you're saying it's over capacity like it's not my fucking problem like y'all should have known the capacity and not invited too many people and i felt so bad because there's also people who bought bottles and they spent thousands of dollars on bottles and they're like dude i literally bought bottles how am i not allowed in and they're like sorry bro you're not getting in it's over capacity and i was like what in the world is going on so i was like you know what i'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission so i hopped the fence um andre hopped the fence too <laughs> and a couple security guards like went up to us and i was like hey like i pretended to be drunk and i was like hey i'm so sorry like oh like i i I, I was already in the event, but I needed to get like my lip gloss from my car. So I just, you know, I came back in and then my friend was like, oh, yeah, she was already here. And then they were like, oh, this girl is so drunk. And then Andre, one guy asked him for like $100 on Venmo. Like, that's how weird this event was. <laughs> like, The security guard asked Andre for like $100 on Venmo. And Andre's like, I don't have Venmo. I don't have cash. If I don't have this, I don't have this. And they're like, oh, whatever. You could just go. And they just let us go. That's what I'm saying about, like, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Like, I could have just wasted my all that time getting ready. I think we drove an hour to the event. Well, we Ubered an hour to the event um, for us to just get turned away. I was like, fuck that. So we literally hopped the fence and I had the best time ever. And I wouldn't I don't regret it. And it was the best night ever. <laughs> but one thing I did learn after that event is if you're going to go to any networking event or any party i would rather show up early and i know my friends are always like do you don't want to be like the first couple per people to show up like it's gonna be empty by the time we get there yeah bitch i want to be the one of the first people to show up because i don't want to have no trouble getting in i don't want i hate that shit especially if you ever go to parties in la even toronto sometimes I would rather be early and have no one be there and not pay cover charge and whatever and just hang out and have drinks than show up and get turned away or show up and have a hard time getting in or show up and have to suck someone's dick to get it. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I'd never done that. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You know, it's a headache. I would rather be early than be late. But me and, my, me and Andre weren't even late to that party. Like they were just, they're always unorganized. Anyways, another thing. This is still in chapter one, by the way. But I feel like this chapter is really good with a lot of good information. Um, it says, it is possible to have too much of a good thing. Things in excess become their opposite. Too much, too many, and too often of what you want becomes what you don't want. This is true of possessions and even time. Lifestyle design is thus not interested in creating an excess of idle time which is poisonous, but the positive use of free time to find simply as doing what you want as opposed to what you feel obligated to do. I used to think, oh, if I was a full-time YouTuber and I just did YouTube as my job and um, I would just get PR packages all the time and everyone would, you know, comment on my things and like my things and like, I would just be amazing. My life would be so perfect because that's my true passion. It's what I truly love to do. And while that is true and while I do love doing what I do, there is something to be said as too much of a good thing. Do you guys ever find maybe you've been on vacation for too long and you just kind of feel like weird and icky and like you're, the world feels out of place and like you kind of lose your routine and it's almost like too much of a good thing or even say too much dessert. Like imagine you had too, like dessert for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's too much of a good thing and like you get sick of it after a while. Um, and if you feel like it's something that you're obligated to do, like maybe you've always loved painting when you were a kid and then you're like, I want to make painting my full time job. And then, you know, something your your paintings go off and you're selling your paintings for a million dollars. And then 
suddenly you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I don't even know if I like doing this anymore. Like this used to be my passion, but now I'm obligated to do it. And I don't even want to do it anymore. Like it's my job now. It's not something that's fun. It's not something that I do in my pastime. It's not something that I create. Uh, I, I just let my creativity flow. It's something that I have to do because if I don't do it, I'm not going to pay my bills and I'm not going to be able to afford rent and I can't pay for my groceries. Like I need to do this thing. And then you start procrastinating on the thing that you once love. Like too much of something, it definitely can be possible to have too much of a good thing. Another thing that I wish my younger self knew, it says money alone is not the solution. Adding more of adding more money just isn't the answer as often as we think it is. In part laziness, if only I had more money, it's the easiest way to postpone the intense self-examination and decision making necessary to create a life of enjoyment now and not later. By using money as a scapegoat and working as our all-consuming routine, we're able to consecutively disallow ourselves the time to do otherwise. Deep down, we all know it's all an illusion, but with everyone participating in the same game of make-believe, it's easy to forget. The problem is more than money. And I feel like everyone always says... um, Rich people saying that money doesn't buy happiness, like they're so out of touch, like money actually can buy happiness. And I think that is true. I think that is true. Money can solve a lot of problems. It can solve, um, you know, stress about paying rent and like paying your bills and, you know, doing this and doing this. But it, there is also something to be said about Drake <laughs> saying more money, more problems. It is true. You don't realize you know, when you have money to afford rent, when you have money to afford Wi-Fi and pay your bills and everything, all your problems just don't go away. You get more problems when you get more money. And money isn't the only thing that can solve all of your problems. Hell yeah, it could solve a lot of problems, but it can't solve all of your problems. And I think it's a mix of, you know, working hard, making money, going to therapy, figuring out what makes you happy, constantly learning about yourself, constantly learning what makes you happy, what makes you feel fulfilled, you know, spending time with family. And I don't know, sometimes I feel like growing up, I didn't have a lot of money. And one thing that is so ingrained in my brain is I really wanted a Victoria's Secret pink backpack. And it was $80 and it was at Victoria's Secret pink. And it was a galaxy backpack. And I've always wanted it. And they had it every single year and I've always wanted it. It's like the most beautiful backpack in my mind because remember back in the day with Bethany Moda at times when like Galaxy was super popular and there'd be Galaxy leggings and like there'd be um, stars and like Brandy Melville shorts with like the little moons on it. You know what I mean? Like that that shit was good back in the day. That shit, you were an it girl if you had that shit back in the day. So I would beg my mom every single year. I've always wanted this Victoria's Secret $80 backpack and like year upon year upon year, I would like never be able to afford it. My family couldn't afford it and like we just were never able to get it and I'd be like, my life would be so much better if I just had that fucking $80 backpack and I'm, I'm getting to the point soon okay <laughs> so the time finally comes like i save i think i saved all my money from christmas and i was finally able to buy my victoria's secret backpack i was like oh my god i'm gonna be the shit everyone's gonna love me i'm gonna be popular in school everyone's gonna ask me about my backpack they're gonna compliment me with my backpack my life is gonna be amazing um once i have this fucking backpack so i finally get the backpack and nothing changed I was still just as unhappy with myself. I was still just as insecure. I didn't get any more friends because of the backpack. I thought this backpack was going to change everything, but it really fucking didn't. 
I think it applies to a lot of things in life because you're like, you know, if I was rich, if I had a really nice car, if I had designer everything, if I had really nice clothes, if I flew private jets, everybody's going to like me. But it's all a facade and it's not true. And I almost feel like a lot of people that are rich are fucking weird and they're fucking lonely and they don't know who their true friends are and they don't know who actually likes them for them or if they just like them because of their money or if they just you know are fucking weird i don't know i feel like like i honestly feel like people who are rich have really weird fucking friends like i always look at you know from an outsider perspective i'm like it's so weird that you don't see what i see like i feel like they're just like being friends with you like they just give me a weird slimy vibe like i don't know and i also see these tiktoks and they're like i need 30 bands like right fucking now to like pay for all of like the designer things that they want and like all the nice clothes that they want and trust me i've literally been there i literally i get paid from my paycheck and i'm like oh my god this was like a really good month i'm gonna spoil myself i'm gonna get some like designer things and this is gonna like make me super happy and you have serotonin for the moment that you buy it and then you barely wear it and then it's like the next thing and you want the next new bag and the next new shoes and the next new this and the next new that. And you're like, I swear I'm going to be happy by the end of it. Once I have all of these amazing things, I'm going to be happy. But I, it's like I ended up just being a hoarder and I never was happy. And I was I just had like a bunch of material items that cost a lot of money. I have a bunch of fabric that cost a lot of money that ultimately made me happy for maybe a day. And it wasn't fulfilling. And... I thought that people would like me more if I wore this or I, you know, had uh, jewelry or diamonds or this watch or this, that, but no one would notice. No one would notice when I bought a new watch. No one would notice when I bought a new bag and no one would notice when I got whatever. But I don't know why I, I really wanted to touch on this subject because I think it's just something that I thought when I was younger would fix everything I thought money would fix everything if I was rich it would fix everything I literally remember when I was younger I was like when I have kids I need to have a really nice house so that my kids can invite their friends over and they will see that their parents are rich and they will have better friends because they're rich and they have a nice house like that's so sad that I thought that and I used to hate my mom's house and I used to think like, oh my God, my house like isn't as nice as like my my other friend's house. Like they're going to think that, you know, I'm not as cool and like my my room isn't decorated cool. And, you know, I was like, I pro like I probably have more friends if like I had a cooler house, but it's just not the case. And I hate that I used to think that. And I honestly really need a face to my mom and just like thank her for all the things that she gave me. And like sometimes I definitely feel like I was ungrateful for certain things. <laughs> like I grew up with a roof over my head and like my parents were like able to pay the bills. And like when I was younger, I used to think that money would literally solve all my problems. And if I'm rich, then I would just, you know have so many friends but it's just not the case and it wasn't a money thing for me it was a me thing and I was just like a super introverted kid and I thought like if I had a Victoria's Secret backpack and had a really nice house like people would want to be my friend but it was just a me thing and I needed to figure out you know how to 
introduce myself to more people and how to be push myself to be a little bit more extroverted and push myself to compliment other people and make friends and push myself to um not be a fucking loner like me and my friends would literally hang out in the bathroom like we didn't hang out in in the cafeteria at lunch like i literally had two friends in high school and we literally we knew that we were losers and i was like i if i only like I, when i grow up i'm gonna be so rich and i'm gonna have a nice house and i'm gonna give my kids the best cool supplies i'm gonna give my kids the best backpack and they're gonna make so many friends because they have the best of the best but that's just never what it was it was me it wasn't my backpack it wasn't my house it wasn't whatever it was just me and money wouldn't solve like the fact that I had no friends it was literally just me (laughs) and I had to do some inner work and inner reflecting and realizing like not everyone's gonna go up to you like you're a loner because you don't go up to people like it's not other people's responsibility to go up to you and like become your friend and you know whatever it's your responsibility if you want to make friends with people you have to put yourself out there and you have to you know, say hi to someone that you you don't know or compliment someone's outfit or, you know, ask for help with homework. Like I swore that I was such a loser and I was such a loner in high school because I had no money, but it was me. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that was a little tangent. Let's go back to the thing. Another thing that they say is distress is bad and you stress is good. There are two separate types of stress. Each as different as euphoria and it's seldom mentioned opposite dysphoria. Distress refers to harmful stimuli that makes you weaker, less confident, and less able. Destructive criticism, abusive bosses, and smashing your face on the curb are examples of this. These are things that we want to avoid. You stress, on the other hand, is a word most of you have probably never heard of. You, a Greek prefix for healthy, is used for the same sense in a word euphoria role models who push us to exceed our limits physical training that removes our spare tires and risks that expand our sphere of comfortable action are all examples of you stress stress that is healthful and the stimulus for growth there's no progress without you stress and the more you stress we can create or apply to our lives the sooner we can actualize our dreams the trick is telling the two apart. The new rich are equally aggressive in removing distress and finding you stress. I also really love this chapter. It just basically talks about your nightmare of the worst possible thing that could happen if you followed your dreams. These are the couple things that it talks about. To find your nightmare, the absolute worst that could happen if you did what you're considering. So for me, I was like, oh my God, what if I launched my podcast and literally no one listens. Like I, I buy the microphone. I spend thousands of dollars on the equipment and nobody cares. Like what's going to happen if like nobody cares and it's a flop and other people will see that it's a flop and my career is dying and uh, my career is dead and then I don't have a career anymore and then I have to find a new career and um, to pay the bills. Would it be the end of your life? No, it wouldn't be the end of my life if nobody listens to the podcast. What steps would you take to repair the damage or get things back up? back on the upswing even if temporarily chances are it's easier than you imagine so if my podcast feels hey i think at least hopefully i'll still have my vlog channel and hopefully i'll still have you know my other social medias and it could also be really fun also diversifying my income i'll also sell my properties my rental properties and my um, stock so it's not gonna be the end of the world if my podcast flops what are the outcomes or benefits both temporary and permanent of more 
probable scenarios. Now that you define the nightmare, what are the more probable or definite positive outcomes, whether internal, confidence, self-esteem, or external? I think it would definitely hurt my ego if the podcast flopped, um, but it definitely isn't the end of the world. And like maybe, you know, I don't do it for gazillions of people to watch and for it to be famous and whatever. I just did the Girl Talk podcast so that if you know, someone is going through the same things that I'm going through and it helps one person, then that's all that matters. Um, and it also asks, has less intelligent people done this before and pulled it off? Hell yeah. People do podcasts all the time and they, it, it launches all the time and it goes off all the time. Like if you were fired from your job today, what would you do to get things under financial control? What are you putting off out of fear? What we fear doing most is usually what we most need to do. What is it costing you financially, emotionally, and physically to postpone the action? If you telescope out 10 years and know with 100% certainty that it is a path of disappointment and regret, and if we define the risk as the likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome, inaction is the greatest risk of all. So what are you waiting for? If you cannot answer this without the resorting to the previously rejected concept of good timing, the answer is simple. You're afraid. Just like the rest of the world, measure the cost of inaction, realize the unlikelihood and re- repairability of most missteps, and develop the most important habit of those who excel and enjoy doing so. Action. But I really love the four-hour work week if you're an entrepreneur or someone with really just big goals and big ambitions and you want to achieve great things um the four hour work week is a really 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 good book um for entrepreneurs and people who want to work for themselves um another book that i really wanted to talk about i don't have the physical copy with me i just did the audiobook but it's called rich dad poor dad this is such a good book if you if you just don't, you don't really know a lot of basics about money. This was one of my first finance books that I've ever read. And if you're going to start any book, I would really recommend this one because I feel like it's just like finance for dummies (laughs) almost. So some of my favorites is I have it in my little note. Lesson one teaches us the importance of financial education and understanding how to make money work for us. The key takeaway is to focus on getting assets that generate passive income as opposed to liabilities that drain your finances. So uh, an asset could maybe be buying a property and then renting out the basement to create passive income and creating a liability would be you know buying a property and then having more bills to pay like that's where it gets kind of um (laughs) some people believe in it some people don't I I believe in it like to a certain extent I'm not like a hundred ride or die for this book but I think that there is something to be said about, you know, things that are assets versus things that are liabilities. That's my biggest takeaway, honestly, from the book is to find assets. So assets could be a a property that you rent out to make $2,000 a month. An asset could be maybe you have a camera that you literally never use and it's a nice DSLR camera and it's just sitting in your garage, maybe putting it up on um, Facebook market so that people can rent it for like $100 a day that's an asset. A liability would be something like upgrading your phone, even though your current phone is like perfectly fine, but you just want all of the new features and you have to pay an extra monthly fee for this new phone. That's kind of like a liability. Okay. So I just found this one on Pinterest and like definitely take all of this like as a, a, a grain of salt, but it says that an asset could be um, a house, you know, renting out 
stocks and bonds those make your money go up in value and it's like uh it's something that makes you money it's kind of like making your money work for you so stocks and bonds your money will constantly be going up some liabilities could be you know debt credit cards maybe car like your car payments like it's so stupid i i leased a car and it was a luxury car but this type of luxury car that i leased it would always have problems with it and it was really cool because it was really fancy and the engine was really loud and it was really nice but it just was like so fucking expensive every month i would spend thousands of dollars on this car every single month and it wasn't an asset it wasn't something that made me money it was a liability that cost me more money so it's really about understanding the difference between working for your money and making your money work for you. And a lot of millionaires and a lot of billionaires, they understand that you're not going to become a millionaire by working, 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 working. You're going to become a millionaire by having all of these, you know, different sources of income and passive income, income that you don't have to work for, income that your money just makes its own money. But some really good notes are with the rich dad poor dad you're like what do you mean rich dad poor dad like what does that mean the poor dad from the author his name is robert and the poor dad represents the traditional view of the work and money so go to university get a nine-to-five job climb the corporate ladder this worked well in the 20th century but not anymore he says and the rich dad represents the independent wealthy views of work and money he builds assets he invests wisely works for salary only if you enjoy and have to something else is it's a lot easier to make ten thousand dollars than it is to save ten thousand dollars and that's where he kind of talks about the fear of like not having money it makes people work hard which turns into frivolous spending and the rat race of a never-ending loop between fear and greed the rich don't work for money money works for them they're getting rich by owning assets and every dollar that you spend not invest is a dollar that does not work for you think of each dollar as an employee that can work 24 hours a day and then again buying assets as opposed to liabilities an asset is anything that produces income appreciates in value and does not require your active management so for example i, I kind of talked about this in the investing episode but i was talking about like how birkins are not really an investment i mean it technically is people say that birkins go up in value more than gold does but an asset that is anything that produces income so like stocks you know rental properties appreciates in value i guess a birkin any sort of collector's item or things that maybe sell out like um tickets like uh sports tickets or concert tickets people resell them for even more it does not require your active management for example stocks bonds income generating real estate businesses that generate profit royalties from intellectual properties such as a book or music um, investments can often be deceptive they can look like an asset where in reality it's a liability so these are the things that he says to avoid which is like a house it's taking money out of your pocket and while real estate can go up in value over time there's no guarantee of this and you know on top of you know paying your mortgage and being able to sell your house at the end of the day not only are you paying the mortgage you're also paying for um property taxes land transfer fees you're paying for you know if the, you have to replace the roof every couple years and maybe something breaks and the piping breaks and then it's thousands of dollars on this and thousands of dollars on that and at the end of the day people could say that it's almost just as much to rent <laughs> 
but it's very controversial. Like some people agree with it and some people don't. But those are my two favorite, favorite, favorite books for business. If you liked any of these, I didn't even get to like the surface of it. Like that was the tip of the iceberg with all of these books. And I've learned so much from them. So if you want to make sure to grab it because I really, really, really recommend it. Maybe next episode I could talk about my favorite um, self-help books or even just like relationship books because I used to talk about the, what was that? Oh, I used to talk about, what was that? that book oh why men love bitches i used to talk about that book all the time and then i looked back on it the other day and i was like damn like there was this one chapter about faking an orgasm and i was like what the fuck is this shit like girl i read this book when i was like fresh out of a breakup like 21 years old so take everything with a grain of salt there are some good things in that book but there are some things that i don't agree with in that book (laughs) um but i think for the basics it's like a pretty good book but i have a a lot of like fun self-help books, a lot of fun relationship books. Um, These are just my two favorite business books. Let me know if you even like these episodes where I just like read you guys my favorite books and tell you my favorite things um, and my favorite quotes from them. But yeah, I hope that you guys enjoyed today's vlog. I hope it wasn't too boring. But as you hear from my alarm, I gotta go. I love you guys. I'm always here if you need to talk every Wednesday on the Girl Talk channel. Um, If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, podcast then make sure to give me a rating it helps me a lot and if you're on youtube make sure to subscribe give it a like but i love you guys and i'll talk to you guys in the next one every wednesday i'm always here love you bye did you like that episode i really hope that you did um if you haven't already then make sure to watch last week's episode or the week after just click on the links whatever it is um and i hope that you guys enjoyed also be sure to subscribe because it helps me a lot um but i love you and i hope you have an amazing rest of your day bye